Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, this morning, if you'll stand to your feet. We're going to um, be finishing up with this book this month. And uh, it's been a very help and encouragement to me. I hope you've enjoyed uh, learning more in detail, verse by verse, this this, this um, book. Maybe you've heard it before, maybe you've been reminded, or maybe you've learned many things. Uh, but we're going to continue on today. And if you'll join me silently while I read aloud, and then we'll pray and you can be seated. Uh, the Bible says in verse number one, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in the darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness." Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us, and it certainly is good to be in your house. Lord, thank you for the faithfulness of your dear people. Lord, we're so thankful for each and every guest that are with us today. Lord, they took the time to come visit us, returning guests, those online tuning in. Hope they know they're cared for and they're loved for at this church. We want nothing more than to help them along life's journey to be successful Christians, whether it's beginning a relationship with you today or whether it's furthering their relationship with you and strengthening their walk along this journey of life we're on. I hope they know they're loved and cared for, and we're just so thrilled they're here. Or thank you for your faithful members and those who've been here for years and those maybe have just started coming, and every single one of us. We come today to learn from you, your word. And Lord, I pray you'll help me to just get out of the way and let you speak. May your will be done. And uh, be with the children next door, uh, the teens upstairs, the nursery. Be with all those who are laboring to serve and minister to them. I just pray you'll give us a great day, Lord. We'll learn something from your word. We'll walk away challenged to do more for the cause of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Oftentimes we can struggle with patience. We can struggle with waiting. And Paul's addressing a church here in Thessalonica that is already asking, when will the time come? That the Lord will come back. And Paul deals with this at the end of chapter 4, which Pastor Mutchler taught us last week. And today, he kind of revisits that a little bit, but reminds me of the story of a man named Frank. And he was not known for his patience. And he had absolutely no use for negative conversation. He was loved when people got quick and got to the point. He got a call from his wife one day, and it was a busy day at work. And she talked slowly. It didn't seem very upbeat. And Frank frankly, was just ready to have her just tell me what's going on. And so he interrupted her and exhorted her to be brief and positive. So she paused for a moment and then cheerfully replied, I discovered the airbags in our new BMW work really great. <laughs> and you know, oftentimes in life, we are like maybe Frank, and we want Christ to return today. And these same people did as well. And may I say that is nothing wrong to want for. Praise the Lord. I mean, what can be better than being in the arms of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Enjoying heaven. But God still has a work for us all to do. And Paul writes a little bit about this today. He instructs the believers about the coming day of the Lord. And his tone kind of changes from chapter 4. From the hope expressed in the rapture. And now he gets to the coming judgment for non-believers. And the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is the most glorious day in the life of the believer. But it will also start a very bad series of events for the unbelievers. And so let's look this morning at four different areas that Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica. Let's seek to learn from them what he gave to them and what God has for us this morning. So number one, if you're writing this morning... We see our Christ's return. Our Christ's return. The Bible says in verse number one, 
but of the times and the seasons. Uh, Times and the seasons, Paul is writing about a consistent timing, a consistent timing of our Lord's return. The times and seasons are referred to three different times in Scripture, of course today here in 1 Thessalonians, but Acts chapter 1 and verse number 7, the Bible says, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father had put into his own power. Daniel chapter 2 verse 31 also says, And he changes the times of the season. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that knoweth understanding. And God is in control of the times and the seasons. And he is in control of when he returns to us. Times in the Greek is chronos, which means duration of time, near or far. It's where we get our word chronologically. There we go. And then seasons is the Greek word kairos. It's a quality or characteristics of the times. So the times and the seasons God is in control of, and we are not. And so we wait patiently for his timing. And the Bible goes on to say in verse Number one, ye have no need that I write unto you. Why does Paul say this? Paul's simply just saying, we've already covered this. We've already talked about this in chapter number four. And today I just want to let you know that the times and the seasons is in God's control. is in God's timing. We see not only a consistent timing, but I want us to notice a careful teaching. A careful teaching. The Bible says in verse number two, for your, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. The word perfectly there is an exactness of knowledge. And Paul had given them careful teaching. May I say this morning, we don't know everything we want to know about the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But we do know that God has recorded everything he wants us to know about this. And therefore we trust him on his timing. A gentleman visited a certain school and gave out that he would give a prize to the pupil whose desk he found in the best order when he returned. All the kids were excited. And they asked, as kids will, when will you return? That I cannot tell, said the gentleman. A little girl who had been noted for her disorderly habits announced that she was going to win this prize. You, her schoolmates jeered, while your desk is always out of order. But suppose I will clean it the very first day of every week, she said. But suppose he should come to the end of the week, someone asked. Then I will clean it every morning, she said. But he may come at the end of the day. For a moment, the little girl was silent. I know what I'll do, she said decidedly. I'll just keep it clean. And may that be the heartbeat of our life as well. Jesus, we don't know when you'll come. But when you do, don't worry, I'll be ready. I'll be watching. I'll be waiting. We know Christ's return will come. And Paul talks about a consistent timing, a careful teaching. But he also gives us a cautious Task. The Bible goes on to say, and verse number two, for yourselves know, or ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh. The word so cometh is a phrase we use, will come. On time, in the future, but already on its way. There's a certainty of arriving, and we do not need to know when that time will get here. We just need to know that it's on its way. As I mentioned this morning, it's more important to focus on the certainty of his return versus the exact time he will return. I have four wonderful children. They're awesome, they're amazing, but they're like every child. They're full of questions, especially when they're anticipating guests coming, Nana and Pop's coming. Grandma and Grandpa coming. When are they going to get here? When they get here. That does not suffice. They want to know the exact time. And often I have to say, we don't know. But I can tell you this much, they're going to get here. 
And we do not know when God will return, but we do know that he is coming again. God cannot lie. He will not lie. And he has promised that he will come. The Bible goes on to say, cometh as a thief in the night. You see, believers are supposed to be prepared. Unbelievers will be unprepared. The Bible says there the thief in the night is unexpected or an unwanted. The word thief is kleptus, where we get the word kleptomania, to steal. Only God knows when this time is. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but one day we are coming back from a long day at church. In fact, I think my wife, if I remember right, she'll let me know later if I was right or wrong, but uh, uh, if... I think she got home first and noticed the window was broke. Is that how it went? Yeah, okay. And the window was broke. The door was wide open. And she called us and me and my brother-in-law, Ed, was doing something. I think we were playing basketball or something. But anyways, uh, she said, hey, you got to get here. Someone broke in our house. Man, we took off. We flew home. And I was so distraught when I got out of the car and saw the window was broke, the door was wide open, and I thought, what? Who would do such a thing? Especially while we're at church. I felt so violated. We, we were so upset, distraught, and our meager beginnings as a young couple with young children, especially as a pastor, wasn't much, but they found what little things we had valuable, and they took them with them. It was unexpected. I guarantee you, if we knew they were coming, we would have been ready. And we would have met them. I know. I'm an intimidating guy. <laughs> you don't want to cross with Pastor Justin. No. Um, I think my brother-in-law had a bat. Oh, let's, we got something. Okay. But we would have been prepared. Jesus is coming. And it's going to be unexpected. And to some, it's going to be unwanted. But Jesus is coming again. I failed to mention in verse number two that ye yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, Bruce Barton says this, Christ will judge sin and set up his eternal kingdom in the day of the Lord. It's not generally a day, but a time and a season. Of course, we are in the church age, but when Jesus comes again in the rapture, we as Christians will be out of here. And that's when the tribulation, the day of the Lord, will come upon us like a thief in the night. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. Only God knows. Matthew 24, 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. We don't know. We can't even try to figure it out. We can, we can study. We can maybe even... Uh, think or project, but we don't know. But we do know one thing. God is coming again. Amen. The Bible says there in the night, in verse in number two, is a thief in the night. That's a Greek word, harpazo. It's a worldwide event. Some have said it's going to be in the nighttime. Well, no, if it's a worldwide event, it's going to be night somewhere. But he is coming again. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. This gives a thought of snatching away with speed and irresistible force. <laughs> we cannot resist it. If you are saved, you can try all you want, but you're going up. You're going to heaven. And I don't think any of us are going to be sad about that. Jesus is... A thief, if you will, not because he's trying to take something from us. He's simply taking back that which is his. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the day for Jesus to calling us back home. It's going to be a wonderful, amazing day. Are you ready? A gardener for a large estate in northern Italy was conducting a visitor through the castle and the beautiful, well-groomed grounds. As the visitor had lunch with the gardener and his wife, he commended them for the beautiful way they were keeping the gardens. He asked, by the way, when was the last time the owner came back to check on this? The gardener replied, uh, 
about 10 years ago. The visitor asked him, why do you keep the gardens in such immaculate, lovely manner? The gardener replied, because I'm expecting him to return. Is he coming next week? Replied the visitor. The gardener replied, I don't know when he is coming, but I am expecting him today. And we don't know when God is coming back, but may we be expecting him to come back today. We see, first of all, the reality of our Christ's return. It's his timing. He's given us all the knowledge we need to know about it. And we must just be, our task is to be ready. But second of all, Paul continues on in verse number three and really flips, flips it, if you will. For the first two verses, he's talking about the believers. He's talking about uh, uh, we. He's talking about us. He's talking about uh, 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 f- the, the believers there. But when he gets into verse number three, he talks about they and we. And he's talking about uh, the, the unbelievers now. And so let's look at the criticizer's realization, the criticizer's realization. And we know that our Christ is going to return, but the criticizers are going to realize it as well, but it will be uh, too late. We see in verse number three, it says, for when they shall say peace and safety. We see this realization will come to them as a false security. Isn't it ironic that when all the Christians get called up to glory, the non-believers are going to say, now we can experience peace and safety. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for every Christian brother and sister we have. Could you imagine when they're all called up, what's going to happen to this world? But those who leave and are remain are going to say, hey, peace, security, safety. Now we can truly experience True world peace. Why? Because they don't like that there is a creator of the universe. They don't like that there's a God in control. And they don't want to hear about that. And they say peace and security. The word peace there is the irani in Greek. And it means to join or bind together which hath been separated. So literally that means those who've been separated by sin from God. Once you give your life to Christ... One day when he calls us home, we'll be, we'll be complete back within him again. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for that day to be in the arms of Jesus Christ, as I mentioned earlier. We will be brought back. Daniel 9, verse 27, it says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. In other words, when the Antichrist comes, there will be a short time of peace, but eventually it's going to become an awful time. And those who are saved, we won't have to experience that, will be in heaven, praise the Lord. But that peace and security they so much feel, we'll see that false security will turn into a fateful suffering. Look at the last part of verse 3. The Bible says, Then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child. That word sudden destruction there is a tribulation for the non-believer. It's a hopeless time. They are going to be enjoying this false peace and security, and they're going to be living it up. They're going to be living their life for self and their sinful pleasures, and they're going to enjoying life to its fullest in their mind. But as in the time of Noah, Jesus alludes to this in Luke chapter 17, verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they did drink, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. But... The flood came and destroyed them all. Lot as well. Likewise also it is written in the days of Lot, they did eat, they did drink, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. That false security of peace and wonderfulness will turn into faithful suffering when they realize that they are without Christ and it's too late. Just like those people who banged on the door of the the ark and said, hey, Noah, let us in. We want in when the rain started to fall and it was too late. 
Just when Lot and those around him partied it up and God says, hey, you better turn to righteousness and they would not. And the fire came and destroyed. Just like that, those who've rejected Christ are going to understand sudden destruction. Travail upon a woman with child, the Bible says. Just as a pregnant woman is guaranteed labor pains with the process of birth. Now, I'll never, I've never experienced this. Sure, I never will. Okay. And I've tried to empathize with my wife. We've had four children. Um, you know, I know you ladies are thinking right now, you have no idea. <laughs> and truthfully, you're exactly right. But I've tried, you know, to sit there. In fact, my father-in-law was sharing with us the class on Wednesday. You know, he was trying to help his wife, you know, breathe. And she said, get out of my face, in a kind way, you know. But how many times, man, have we tried to help maybe our wives? And What do you need? I'm here. Anything you need. You know, just don't crush my hand too much when you're holding on to it. I mean, that's a lot of pain. And please, don't have the baby at 2 in the morning. Have it at like 3 in the afternoon, you know. Uh, just, you know, accommodate us. It's amazing how labor, when it comes, you know, know exactly when, but you know... It's going to come if you're going to have a child. And just like these people did not know when it was going to come, the suffering is going to come to those who've rejected Christ. In fact, Amos in chapter 5 and verse number 18 says, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. Bring the day of the Lord. Bring the peace and security. Get all the Christians out of here. Whoa, 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 whoa. If you desire that, to what is the end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light, as if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? I'm just saying today, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, may I implore you to come to Christ today because you do not want to experience this darkness. I'm thankful, though, as a Christian, that I am a child of light and I am no longer in darkness. Thankful that one day when Jesus comes, we get to be resurrected back to the Father. We get to be in the rapture. We get to go to Jesus. I want us to see this morning not only our Christ's return, I want us to see the criticizer's realization. But number three, what is the creator, creation's response? What should our response be to all this? Well, Paul then gets into verse number four and he gets back to this church and he says, okay, now that you know all these things, let's, let, let's learn a few things. The Bible says in verse number four, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. We see the certainty of light. Ye are not in darkness. Maybe you're sitting here today saying, hey, I'm a child of God. Well, praise the Lord, you are in light. But if you've never given your life to Christ, never accepted him as your Savior, then you are still in darkness. The Bible says in John 1 verse 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. John 8 verse 12 says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus is the light, so no darkness can exist where God is. It's only going to exist where God isn't. And so if you are a child of God, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are in the light. Praise the Lord. 1 John 1, 5, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Paul Apple talks about this when he talks about darkness. He gives three different types of darkness. He has intellectual darkness is associated with lack of knowledge. But those who have the light of Jesus Christ represents biblical wisdom and truth. Moral darkness is the second one, he says, is associated with the deeds of sin and shame of wrongdoing. Whereas light refers to holiness and purity. Spiritual darkness is associated with death. But light is associated with life. The darkness of the day of the Lord will be a preview for what will await those who dwell in darkness. Matthew 8, verse 12. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. 
There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I just once again want to tell you, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, you need, you must, I implore you, I beg you to come to Jesus Christ because you do not want to experience that darkness. Come to Jesus Christ today. By the way, he made a way out. He is light. And the Bible says, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You must come to Jesus Christ. You must get to Jesus through him. It's not through your good works. It's not through church attendance. It's not through being good to your neighbor, even though all those are noble things. But that's not going to get you to heaven. You must be born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus. There must come a time in your life when you realize you're a sinner. You have no hope. And I must put my faith and trust in Jesus and him alone. So we see this morning the consistency of light, but I want us to notice also the constancy of light. Paul reiterates this in verse number 5, and he says, Ye are the children of light and the children of the day. He's talking to this church in Thessalonica. Hey, you are. You're a child of God. You've accepted Christ. If you remember, he reasoned in the temple with them. He dialogued with them. The Bible says opening, teaching, and then alleging. That word alleging is persuading. When he was in the temple there, when he was witnessing to the steer church in Thessalonica, when they were when they were searching for the, for the Christ, he, he persuaded them to come to Jesus Christ. Of course, we know 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, he talks about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they accepted him into their life. He says, hey, if you've done that, don't worry, you, you are a child of light. Once again, I'm going to reiterate that with you. Believers are not in the darkness spiritually. And when the day of the Lord comes, we will be in heaven. Dr. D.N. Menhuert said this, When Jesus says you are a son of God or a child of God, he means being completely controlled or dominated by him. And when he comes back, no matter how much we're, we're going up, we're going to heaven. Praise the Lord for that. John 3.19 And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. The darkness controls the children. The light controls them. Thankfully that we have the light inside of us if you're a child of God. Paul goes on to say, we are not of the night nor of darkness. This isn't alluding to a time of day, but it's talking about the mirroring the non-believer with the believer. Darkness not necessarily meaning it's 10 o'clock at night, it's dark. No, no, it means darkness is associated with with non-believers and the light is associated with Jesus Christ and the believers. The Bible says there, therefore let us not sleep. Sleep is unconcerned about their life. It's not talking about 10.30 tonight or 11 o'clock or whenever your sleeping is and you just can't control it anymore. Oh, the Bible said today not to sleep, so I'm just going to put toothpicks in my eye. You know, that's not what it's talking about. Sleep is unconcerned, is carelessness, is I don't care. Let us not sleep, the Bible says, but let us instead watch And be sober, as do others. Those who are remaining left behind, they aren't. May you watch and be sober. We see, first of all, Christ's return. We see there's a consistent timing, a careful teaching, and a cautious task we have to be ready. We see the criticizers' realization, those who rejected Christ have a false sense of security, but they have a faithful suffering coming. But then we see the creation's response see, through the certainty of the light, the constancy of the light. And then Paul doesn't stop there. It's wonderful to say, hey, I'm not in darkness anymore. I'm a child of light. Praise God. Let's go home and just live the rest of my life however I want. No, 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 no. Paul says, hey, hey, hey. you have a responsibility if you're a children of light. And what is that responsibility? Well, verse number six says, therefore... Let us not sleep, we've talked about that already, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. This does not mean you can never sleep again. This is talking about don't live your life carelessly, flippantly, like, I don't care. Instead, be alert, be sober, be awake, and decide that I'm going to live my life with purpose. I have a reason for living. I am going to please the Lord. I'm going to declare the gospel, if you will. I'm going to love on my kids, love on my family, and I'm going to work till Jesus comes. I'm going to be ready. Yes, I'll be properly rested, but I'm going to continue to do what God has called me 
to do. And so we see a purposed alertness. I kind of got ahead of myself a little bit, but the Bible says in verse number 6, let us not sleep. Now, what does that mean? That is a phrase in the Greek that simply means like someone who's trying to cross a creek or stream and they're using stones to cross it. You probably won't close your eyes when you're trying to cross that. Why? Because you don't want to end up in the creek. You don't want to end up in the current. But instead, you're going to see that rock and, and make sure it's firmly planted before you take that next step. You're going to be alert. You're going to be ready. You're going to be awake. You're going to be all hands on deck. You're going to make sure when you maybe climb that or, or put your mind to it, that you're going to give it all your attention. And Paul says, hey, don't be careless about life. No, instead, be awake and be sober. The word awake there means alertness. The word sober means stability, stable. He compares the two words in verse number 7 with the words, they that sleep and they that be drunken. The word sleep is unconcerned or uncareful. The word drunk is a carelessness. 21 different times Paul makes this uh, phrase there and, and let us not sleep in the, in the New Testament. And he's imploring the Christian to say, hey, I'm not going to be careless or flippant about my life. I'm not going to be lazy and whatever happens, happens. Instead, I'm going to be awake. I'm going to be focused. I'm going to be diligent doing what God's called me to do. Let me encourage you. I see you teenagers over here. I really love you. I appreciate you. Especially our seniors that just graduated. We're going in the summertime. It's easy to get careless. But more than ever, you need to live your life this summer with a devotion to God that, hey, I'm going to keep doing right. Stay faithful to church. I'm going to keep growing in my Christian faith. And may that be an encouragement to all of us to stay awake, to stay alert, to stay ready for the attacks of Satan, to be ready to always give an answer, to share the gospel and to be who God's called us to be. The great preacher F.B. Meyer once asked D.L. Moody, what is the secret of your success? Moody replied, for many years I have never given an address without the consciousness that the Lord may come before I have finished. What a good principle to live by. So we see the Christian's responsibility as a purpose to alertness, but also the proper attire. Paul then gives us some practical things that we can do on a daily basis to help us stay awake and alert and ready for when Satan comes at us. The Bible says they're putting on the breastplate of faith and love. That word breastplate is protecting your heart and vital organs. It's like a heart protector. The word helmet protects our mind and thought life. And when our heart is not being protected... And when our mind isn't being protected, when Satan comes at us, we're wide open for him to get us. I want to encourage you this morning to keep the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, firmly on you. So that when the attacks of Satan come, you are ready to fight him off. D. Edmund Hebert said this, The believer is not only a watchman, but a warrior who is alert and self-possessed but also equipped to resist the onslaught of the enemy. While waiting on the return of the Lord, the believer must remain alert and the dangers of a hostile world. By the way, that doesn't just happen. You must daily put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of the right. You must daily do this. It reminds me of a story years ago of someone who was in the uh, 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 White House administration and he was very important uh, a person. He, he was uh, uh, very needed. And they felt like his office was not uh, protected enough. And so they made each window double-paned. Almost impossible to penetrate. And they built some of the biggest, strongest doors of that time. And the person who developed this and who put this all in there, he thought, you know, man, he's going to be safe. They spent all the money, all the necessary expense to do it. And a few weeks later, a few months later, they came to check on it to see how he was doing. And the guy was so excited. He felt like he had done his duties protecting this guy. And he noticed those doors were wide open. And he thought, all that money just to keep them open. 
And I know that sounds a little humorous, but isn't that a true spiritual parallel to our life? God has given us all the tools, all the articles, all what we need to keep away the attacks of the world and Satan, the flesh and the devil coming at us. But yet, we're just as foolish as the guy who kept his doors open if we don't put that protection on us every day. So in summary today, I want to encourage us two or three different ways. First of all, if you are not a children of light, may I encourage you to come to Christ. Brother Colby, can you put that slide up there? I have one last thing I want to share with us. Paul basically puts all this in this passage. And I found this chart. I thought it was great. I broke it up. The children of the light or day experience the rapture versus the children of the night experience the coming wrath, the day of the Lord, the tribulation. The children of the light are caught up to heaven when he comes back. Praise the Lord. That could be any minute, any day. Those who are the children of darkness tonight are destroyed on the earth. The children of the lighter day have anticipation of spiritual life. Those who have not come to Christ have spiritual death. Those who come to Christ can live with hope, an expected end, that Jesus is going to return. Those who are the children of darkness or night have no hope. Those who dwell in spiritual light get to enjoy that. Those who are children of darkness dwell in spiritual darkness. Those who dwell in the light are spiritually alert, spiritually sober, whereas those who dwell in darkness are spiritually asleep and spiritually drunk. Those who are... Children of light are forever with the Lord. Those who don't are never with the Lord. So I come to you this morning knowing in a church this size, probably most of us have become a child of God. Children of the light. But no doubt one or two of you, maybe more. And by the way, this is nothing against you. This is just an opportunity for you to be able to come to, the, to Jesus Christ. Okay. You may be sitting there thinking, well, I don't like the alternative. Well, may I encourage you, none of us did when we learned this. And that's why we gave our life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our sin is keeping us from Jesus. The Bible says, for the wages, the payment of our sin is death and hell. No one wants to go there. If we're not careful, we can think, oh, man, that's not a loving God. No, 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 a loving God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay for our sin. And we are now to T in the road. We can go to hell and pay for our sin. Or we can let Jesus Christ take care of that on Calvary and give our life to Christ. The Bible says, but God commendeth, God gave his love toward us. And that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven because you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Or are you still flippantly living life like it doesn't matter? And whatever happens will happen. I've had people tell me that before. I'm not worried about that. I'll find out one day. Oh, you don't want to find out, buddy. Because certain darkness, the day of the Lord, is something that's going to be awful. For those who reject Christ. Will you come to Jesus today? The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Remember, as a 10-year-old boy, when I humbly did that, I said, God, I want you. Please come to heart and save me. And he did. My second application today is, first of all, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? But second of all, isn't it amazing what we have as a child of God? We have hope. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the helmet of salvation. We can live with an expected end that Jesus Christ is coming again. We get to dwell with God forever. Why are we always down and depressed and discouraged and, oh, woe is me? When we have all that as a child of God, may we live a life of positivity and encouragement. May we live a life of joy. May we live a life that aspires to do a purpose life that we want to do more and more for God than ever before because of his goodness to us instead of living in the dumps of despair. Well, I don't know if I can do it. No, no, no. You can through Jesus Christ. Last but not least, having known all this, 
May it motivate us to want to declare the gospel more to those who are in darkness. By the way, we don't do the saving Jesus Christ does. We just have to be willing to go and present the gospel. May I encourage you this morning, if you do not know Christ, to come to him. If you're living a, oh, woe is me lifestyle, let me encourage you to realize what you have in Christ. And we don't have to live that way. We can live with calm assurance, with that expected hope that God is coming back again. And we have a wonderful life in him. And if you do understand this, may you do your dead level best. May we all endeavor to share the light of the gospel even more than ever. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Maybe there's someone here today that's sitting there that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Maybe you do not want to experience the day of the Lord. You don't want to experience hell. You don't want to experience all that. You know you're a sinner and you deserve hell and you don't want to go there. You want to go to heaven. May I say it's so simple. Jesus Christ didn't want to make it complicated. He was willing to give his own life and do all the hard work for you. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in him. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one's looking around. This is a very serious time, but it's also a time that's private as well. In your heart, maybe there's someone here this morning that would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I do not know for sure I'm going to heaven. I don't want to be a child of darkness. I want to be a child of light. I want to be a child of God. Would you pray for me that I could know for sure even today that I'm going to heaven? With heads bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around. We want to pray for you. If that's you this morning, will you just slip up your hand real quick? I want to pray for you. Anybody? Anybody this morning? Maybe you say, you know what? I'm too embarrassed to raise my hand, but in my heart, I desperately want Jesus. May I encourage you, maybe you're online or maybe you're in person here. Will you just take a minute and pray this simple prayer that similar to what I prayed as a boy? Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I deserve to go to hell. I don't want to go there, though. I believe and trust in you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Please come to my heart and save me and take away my sin so I can go to heaven when I die. Please do that, Lord. I I believe and trust in you. In Jesus' name, with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe someone would raise their hand or just look up at me and say, that is me, I prayed that prayer. Anybody this morning? God bless you. How many would say, you know what? Pastor Justin, I'll be honest with you. The, the world, the news, all that's going around us has caused me to be a little bit discouraged or defeated or gloom. But I learned this morning that we're not in darkness. We're in light. We're in Jesus Christ and it's going to be okay. I'm going to trust on him. And God just got a hold of my heart today that I am endeavored to live a life that's a victorious Christian life because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. If that's you this morning, we just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you all over. How many would say, this has caused me to realize the seriousness of, of this darkness and, and, and of hell and what's going to happen to unbelievers. I'm going to endeavor to do my best to declare the gospel more than I ever have before this year. If that's you, we slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Lord, you saw the hands. You know the hearts. I just pray that you'll do a work in our hearts like only you can. Uh, May we be encouraged by the message today, but may we also understand that there's those out there that need you. May we live with an encouragement that we have a hope and expected end in you, that you're coming again. Lord, may we also tell others about Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'll be with those who are maybe dealing with a very difficult thing in their life, maybe right now. Maybe they're burdened down. Maybe the world of flesh and the devil or the trials and tribulations, the difficulties of life, have them weighed down. May they give it to you today. And may you help them, Lord, today. May they know there's a church here that loves them. There's pastors that, that are in their corner. They're praying for them. They're behind them. There's teachers and, and lay people and good Christian, godly people who, who want to help and encourage them. And may they be encouraged. We sure do love you, Lord. Thank you so much for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, the piano is going to play. The altar is open. We're going to have a brief invitation. Maybe the Lord's touched your heart about salvation or maybe baptism or maybe church membership. Uh, We want to make knowledge of that. If you'd like to come forward at this time, our pastors would like to pray for you and and help you in any way possible. And if that's you this morning, we encourage you to do that as God leads in your heart.
God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. And uh, just two quick things. First of all, uh, Nancy Winston uh, and Marvin Tucker uh, both came forward this morning. Um, They've been saved and baptized. They were part of our starting point class. And they want to join the church this morning. And so, Nancy, if you could raise your hand. And then Marvin over there, raise your hand. And all in favor of joining, uh, welcoming into Grandview Baptist Church, say aye. aye. All right. It carries. You're a part of us. Welcome. And we're so glad you're a part of us. We're looking forward to serving the Lord together. And uh, so thankful to have you, Marvin, and you, Nancy, as well. At this time, we have a quick video to share. And then um, Dr. Rasmussen will come up and uh, share a few things about the college and will be dismissed. Good morning and welcome to our service. We hope this morning's sermon from Pastor Lehman was a blessing to you. Join us back here tonight at 5 as we hear Pastor Munchler continue our verse-by-verse series on Nehemiah Building God's Way. We are so excited about our Young Adult Conference this Friday and Saturday, June 10th and 11th with Dr. Jim Shepard. The conference cost is only $15 per person and starts on Friday at 5 with Saturday sessions beginning at 9 a.m. and ending by 2 If you or someone you know is interested in attending, you can learn more information from the cards on the welcome desk or by going to our website, grandviewcares.com forward slash events. Families, don't miss out on our Kids Summer Blast program every Wednesday evening at 645. We have big activities planned every week like bounce houses and big ball games, as well as plenty of opportunities to help your children grow in their relationship with God. There will be a special teen soul winning marathon on Saturday, June 18th. The marathon begins at 10 a.m. and will conclude at 6 p.m. If you would like your teenager to participate, please see T.J. Gardner for more details. Yesterday marked the first of our upcoming churchwide outreach events. Mark your calendars for the next outreach on Saturday, July 2nd at 10.15 a.m. Join us for a delicious breakfast and an opportunity to share your faith in our community. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we will see you tonight at 5. great honor to be back at Grandview once again. It's great to see Pastor Mutchler and appreciate the biblical uh, message by Pastor Lehman this morning. Uh, my name is Dr. Rasmussen and I've been serving for the last 25 years as Vice President under Pastor Paul Chapel at West Coast Baptist College. If you have any questions about college, if you'd be interested in taking any classes online, uh, we take the GI Bill and we have classes in counseling, we have classes in apologetics, uh, in media, as well as like Old New Testament, a one-year Bible certificate. We'd love to talk to you at the table right out here to my right and to your left right after the service is over. As we go out, we had a chance to meet with your teens this morning under Brother TJ's leadership, and they listened so well as we taught them. But we also try to put good books and good music in the hands of God's people. I believe you'll be the same person five years from now as you are today, except for the books you read, the people you're around, the things you watch and listen to. Let me, uh, we have about 10 different CDs on the table now. Uh, one of the best ones we've ever done is called Come Home. It was just a confluence of great singers and great songs. We made that particular CD. If you like the hymns, this is called Great Songs of the Faith. This is an instrumental CD. It's the only instrumental one there. Songs like And Can It Be, How Great Thou Art, The Old Rugged Cross, Great Is Thy Faithfulness, uh, Blessed Assurance, and others. You'll enjoy that. It's uh, classical guitar, uh, French horn, piano, and uh, let me see, viola. Uh, you'll enjoy that. If you like quartet music, we've made about four or five quartet CDs in the 25 years I've been there. This is the best one we've ever done. It's called the Heritage Quartet. Just four guys singing, four-part harmony and a piano player, and a lot of the old quartet songs like He's Still Waiting by the Well, I Got Saved, The Mercy Tree, Christ is Enough. Then uh, another great CD that's uh, we've sold many, many copies of this. It's called Streams of the Desert. This is the third one they made. Uh, a tremendous, tremendous CD. Great singers and great songs. Songs like The Cross, uh, Draw Near Unto God, There Will Be a Day, Give Thanks Medley, Bury My Heart in the Mission Field, Each One, Reach One, and others. And then finally, our newest CD that just came out this May is this CD right here. It's called The Only Worthy King. 
15 songs, tremendous choir songs, uh, mixed quartet single, uh, songs by trios, etc. You'll enjoy this. I've listened to all the CDs over the years. Pastor always makes me check them. And when I listen to this, I said it's one of the top three or four CDs we've ever made. I think you'll enjoy that. The CDs are $10 a piece. If you buy four, you get one free. Check cash, credit card, debit card, or Apple Pay all taken there. And then as far as the books are concerned, Pastor Chapel wrote a book called Take It Personally, A Guide to Obeying and Enacting the Great Commission. How to be a better soul winner. That might be a help to you. We have just a few copies left of the back table of the book that I gave Pastor Butcher called Boots on the Ground. This is devotional if you like history, if you like the military. The gentleman who wrote this was 20 years in the Air Force, still works for the government. Uh, he spent five years writing this. Uh, it is absolutely amazing. I like history, so I have a bias, but it's a really interesting book. I think you might enjoy that as well. Uh, my most recent book is a book called 101 Truths to Transfer. These are all lessons from the life of Joseph. I believe Joseph is one of the great Bible characters. Uh, as a type of Christ, as a son, a servant, uh, a slave, and later a sovereign. I've taught the book of Genesis over 60 times every semester for 30 plus years now. And these are lessons for chapters 37 through 50, except for 38, which deals with his brothers, but I think you might enjoy that. And the last two books deal are for ladies only. And, uh, husbands, if you didn't do well on Father, on Mother's Day, this is time to make up for it. Get them something right here. Plus, you can buy it for yourself on Father's Day because one of, this has, one of these has recipes in it. This is called Having a Peaceful Heart. This is a tremendous devotion by Mrs. Glorianne Gibbs. Mrs. Gibbs has written four devotionals. This is the most recent one, just came out last year. On one page, it'll have the scripture. The other page is the devotional itself. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. These are 15 for one. If you buy both of them, it's two for 25. And the final book I'll mention here is called Heartfelt Hospitality by our pastor's wife, Mrs. Terry Chapel. Mrs. Chapel grew up in a uh, Catholic home, uh, but it was an Italian cooking home, and she learned how to cook, uh, to say the least. And uh, she, many years, would have as many as 1,500 people at her home. This gives about 40, 50 pages about how to be hospitable and how to use your home for ministry. And the last 150 pages all deal with 50 of her very best recipes, uh, including pictures. And I would direct you then to go directly to the fourth recipe in the dessert section called lava cake. That's a winner. So... <laughs> If that sounds like the voice of experience, it is. And so if you have any other questions about the college or anything, we'd be glad to answer any questions. Pastor Layman, thank you for this time, and thank you again for allowing us to be here with you today. Oh, thank you, Dr. Rasmussen. And once again, forgive me for forgetting your name. I apologize. And let's have a great, great day. We love you. God loves you. Take care. You're dismissed.